I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Well, I've decided, just uh, on a whim, that, uh, that for the next few weeks we're going to be talking about evangelization. We talked about it last week. We had Tim Glimkowski of the La Alto Institute here to talk about that new pastoral letter out of the Archdiocese of Detroit, Unleash the Gospel, hashtag Unleash the Gospel. Uh, and so we had a great conversation last week. Uh, next week, I think, I'm almost positive, it's not all the details aren't ironed out yet, but I, I'm fairly sure that we're going to get someone from the Archdiocese of Detroit to come and talk to us a little bit more about their vision of this pastoral letter and what that's going to look like. Today, we want to talk with Joe Heschmeyer. He's our Rome correspondent, as I like to call him. He's a seminarian for the Archdiocese of Kansas City, Kansas, currently studying at the North American College in Rome. Coming up real soon on his uh, on his ordination to the diaconate uh, in September. And so, uh, really, I'm very excited to have him on the show today as we talk about the, the importance of relationship in Jesus Christ, uh, the importance of encountering the living God and how that encounter uh, infuses and has to undergird all of our efforts in evangelization. Without that, then we're just working ourselves up into an intellectual fervor, pulling uh, pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps and saying, hey, it's time to go evangelize, which then means, of course, that evangelization is reserved for the intellectual, uh, and it's reserved for the, the, the gregarious, the outgoing, the excitable. And this isn't what we're told by the church. We are told that the work of evangelization belongs to the whole church. That means it belongs to me here on this radio show going out across the 12 stations of the the Oklahoma Catholic Broadcasting Network and across the the internet. But not only to me, uh, not only to priests and to bishops and to uh, gregarious, outgoing lay people, but it belongs to you. It belongs to uh, my wife, the introvert. It belongs to all of us who are part of the body of Christ. And so if that's the case, hear this. If that's the case and it, it's your job to be evangelistic, then we have to understand that evangelism may not look like we have expected it to look based on how our culture defines it or even how our Catholic subculture uh, has, has tilted that word. Evangelism, if it is the work of all of us, is something that we are all equipped by the Holy Spirit to do. Now, uh, I love this out of St. Francis de Sales' Introduction to the Devout Life. He spends some time... Uh, there in the introduction, talking about the difference in what what the devout life, what piety looks like between, say, a bishop and a monk, or say, a, a housewife and a sister, or say, me uh, as a uh, a person who has spent mo- much of my life working for the church and someone who goes to work in a factory. All of us have an obligation to be in relationship with God. All of us, you and I, have an obligation to grow in the spiritual life. All of us have a an obligation to be evangelistic. All of us. 
And if that's the case, if it's our obligation to, to be present and active in the work of evangelization, if that's the case, then it cannot be this thing that is uh, a monolith that looks the same in all times and all places. It, it can't be this checklist of uh, you go down this list, A, B, C, D, make sure to go knock on a few doors, make sure to uh, bring up Jesus every single opportunity in every conversation, and make sure that it's really cheesy when you do it, right? If, if it's our obligation, you and me and all of us, then it has to be as varied as we are. It has to be something that that we are tailored to or we are uh, formed into, right? The Catholic Church is not ever uh, this this idea of this monolith that we all have to look exactly the same. Uh, This is one of the things that I think a lot of people miss because there is unity in the Catholic Church, but that unity comes not from uniformity, but from all of us being formed into the image of Christ as we are. And, and so this is something that as we approach evangelism, I want to, to calm you down, to, to assure you that evangelism is not uh, a program. Evangelism is not something that you can go and take a class on and then all of a sudden know how to do it perfectly. Evangelization is living in relationship. First, living in relationship with God, living in relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, and letting our souls be nourished and formed and strengthened by the Holy Spirit, and then living in relationship with others. Uh, it all comes down to those two main commandments, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. In, in this instance, as we love God and we love our neighbor, evangelism is the fruit of those relationships. It's not a task. It's not a a checklist that we can go down. It is the natural outgrowth of being in relationship with God and being in relationship with people and bringing those two relationships as close together as possible, introducing your friends to your other friends, right? And so here we have uh, this new idea of evangelization that we see in this wonderful letter, Unleash the Gospel, this wonderful letter for the Archdiocese of Detroit. Uh, And a couple of archdioceses recently have begun taking up this idea of evangelization uh, and and exploring it a little bit more fully to to recapture this missionary zeal of the church, that we, as the body of Christ, in relationship with Jesus Christ, in relationship with God the Father, have been empowered to make a difference in our world. This is it. This is evangelism. Uh, In fact, it's such an important thing for the church right now uh, in this season that the USCCB has put together an event, a a convocation of Catholic leaders that's going to be taking place on July 1st through July 4th as leaders from dioceses all across the United States will be gathering together in Florida, tough life, gathering together, I think, in Orlando, Florida, tough life, uh, to come and listen to best practices on evangelization, to to learn about new processes, to see if there's something that uh, Diocese A is doing that Diocese Q can can duplicate, uh, because we, don't, we are one body. We don't want to reinvent the wheel if there's something that can be brought over into our uh, in our framework and our uh, diocese, our understanding, then then certainly we want to do that. Uh, and so 
this is this great opportunity for for leaders from all across the United States uh, to listen to the heart of the church on evangelism. So first thing I want you to do is I want you to mark July 1st through July 4th on your calendar. The second thing I want you to do is to pray for those people from your diocese, because there's someone from your diocese going. Pray for those people from your diocese who are going to participate in this wonderful act of the church. Uh, And then, as you're praying for them, I want you to pray a a, a prayer almost of, well, let's go ahead and say it, a prayer of surrender to the Holy Spirit, to say, Holy Spirit, this whole idea of evangelism frightens me. This whole concept of being responsible uh, as, as a member of the body of Christ to talk about you in public, it, it frightens me. Even to talk about you with my friends and my neighbors, it frightens me. Uh, but Holy Spirit, I, I know that this is a work that you're doing right now in, in this time in history, reminding us in the Catholic Church of the importance, the utmost importance of being an evangelistic church, all of us sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And so, Holy Spirit, I invite you to show me, and this is frightening, this is exceptionally frightening, Holy Spirit, I invite you to show me the ways that you want me to be more open to sharing you just that much. You're not even saying, help me to share you. Just say, help me to see what are the ways that you want me to do this? What are the steps that you want me to take? How am I going to inch my toes that much closer to the water? I'm not even going to dip my toe in yet. I just want to inch a little bit closer to the water and see what it is that the Holy Spirit may be asking me to do. And then lastly, uh, as we are considering this concept of entering as Catholics more into evangelization, uh, realizing that evangelization is not a task merely for bishops or priests or deacons or religiously professed, but that it is the task of the whole church. In fact, uh, Pope Benedict XVI said that the church exists for evangelization. And if that's the case, we as part of it have to be part of it. At the same time, we can be encouraged that we are not asked to do something that's impossible for us. We're not asked to do something that we will not be completely equipped to participate in. And so that's what we're going to be talking about when we come back as we talk with Joe Heschmeyer, uh, seminarian for the Archdiocese of Kansas City, Kansas. He also blogs over at shamelesspopery.com. We're going to talk about how evangelism is always preceded by an encounter, an authentic encounter with a living God, an authentic encounter with Christ, uh, and how that then equips us and pushes us out into sharing that good news that we've received with others. It's going to be a great conversation. Don't go anywhere. During the break, why don't you go over to unleashthegospel.com, take a look at that pastoral letter, and uh, see if it speaks to your heart just a little bit. Why don't you also go over to our social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls and join the conversation that we have over there on this topic of evangelization. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on our daily lives. 
I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and today we're continuing our conversation that we've had since Pentecost. We're talking about evangelization and what that looks like. And uh, as I was contemplating that this week, uh, I thought about how intimidating evangelization is. And so I wanted to look at what it is that precedes uh, evangelism. So today we're talking with Joe Heschmeyer. He's a seminarian for the Archdiocese of Kansas City, Kansas, currently studying at the North American College in Rome. Just finished up with your, your finals this year. Joe, glad to have you here on the show again. Thanks. It's great to be on the show again. So you're going to be ordained a deacon in September when you get back to school. Uh, and so you are on your way to to that final destination of the priesthood. Absolutely. It's uh, it's exciting. The end is kind of in sight for the first time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, ordination is the next thing around the corner. I'm trying not to keep track of the days. I think we're at 105. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing poorly if you're trying not to keep track. <laughs> <laughs> Well, glad to have you. I brought you on today for a couple of reasons. One, you are actively involved, even as you're there in Rome in seminary, you're actively involved in evangelization through your blog, Shameless Popery, where you spend a lot of time on apologetics. Uh, but I've seen a lot of people who get involved in apologetics almost as an academic uh, exercise, and they go into it uh, to win an argument or to prove a point, and they, they see that as evangelism. Uh, But true evangelism, as we've seen through papal documents, as we've seen through uh, just the New Testament, always starts with an encounter with Christ, with an encounter with the living God. And then that's what animates our activities and makes, whether it be conversation or whether it be apologetics, it makes that into something beyond just the exercise of what it is. It makes it into, uh, as G.K. Chesterton said, make your religion more like a love affair, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, uh, at least the way I think of it, there are really two ways we can kind of go wrong in thinking about um, evangelization, but it it gets back to... uh, how we think about Christianity in general, because evangelization, everyone I think will agree is wanting to share Catholic Christianity with those who don't possess it in its fullness. Mm-hmm. And so what is Christianity? And so if you think about Christianity as a set of doctrines, as a set of teachings, as a set of statements about reality, um, I think that's a really incomplete understanding of Christianity. And coupled with that, if you think of Christianity as something we sort of give to ourselves, I think you have a a very flawed understanding of Christianity. So rather, uh, it's through grace that we're brought into this loving relationship with Jesus Christ. And that right relationship includes orthodoxy, includes doctrine, includes uh, beliefs about reality. But ultimately, it's it's so much bigger than than a set of just teachings. Um, And here, actually, I, I point to Benedict XVI, um, well, first, I guess I point to first John four. Mm-hmm. So there's that famous God is love verse, but if you read the full verse, it says this. Um, so we know and believe the love God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Okay. So let's unpack that a little bit. God is love is always the part that kind of jumps out and there's a, a rich Trinitarian kind of excursus you can do on that. Right. But John says we know and believe the love God has for us. So what we believe isn't just a set of doctrine somewhere, just, you know, um, X is Y kind of statements. It's love. Like what we believe in is love. Uh, And second, like 
this lived reality is abiding in love and letting God abide in us. So it's that dynamic. That's what we want to share with Christianity. And so if we aren't exhibiting that, if we're not living that, we have nothing to offer. Mm-hmm. And even going to that uh, that beautiful hymn, that treatise on love we see in 1 Corinthians 13, he goes on to say, if I do all of these things, if I have these actions, if I uh, live charitably, if I give my body over to be burned, but, but I have not love— uh, I'm nothing, right? I'm, I'm a resounding symbol, a, a clanging gong. If I speak in the tongue of of men and angels, and I, I think of that in terms of having this this academic or or even con- contemplative knowledge, and yet if, if it's all wrapped up in that, but it's not grounded in this experience of of love, this experience of God, then all of that knowledge, all of that action, is for naught. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it reminds me of a, one of my favorite passages from uh, Thomas Kempis's book, The Imitation of Christ. This was one of the go-to uh, theological, spiritual books in the Middle Ages. And he says, talk as learnedly as you will about the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. It will get you no thanks from the Holy Trinity if you aren't humble about it. After all, it isn't learned talk that saves a man or makes a saint of him. Only a life well-lived can claim God's friendship. For myself, I would sooner know what contrition feels like than how to define it. And then he goes on and says, if you had the whole of Scripture and all the maxims of the philosophers at your fingertips, what would be the use of it all without God's love and God's grace? Hmm. And so, I mean, it's almost exactly what St. Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 13, that all of these things are great, but only if they're rooted in love. Otherwise, you're, you're kind of wasting your time. Yeah. We're talking today with Joe Heschmeyer. He's a seminarian for the Archdiocese of Kansas City, Kansas, currently studying at the North American College in Rome. And, and Joe, you are living this life of evangelization. You're also entering into a vocation uh, that that fosters evangelization, both in your interaction with the parish that you'll eventually be at, but also uh, in helping that parish to go out and evangelize. So, you obviously are living the thick of evangelization right now. Uh, tell us a little bit about that primary encounter that you had, uh, and we'll get to the ongoing encounter as we get into the next segment. Talk to me about that primary encounter where you first came to really understand uh, as, as best as you could the fullness of God's love that drove you into this evangelistic uh, arm uh, and lifestyle. You know, I think it was— uh it's kind of, it's a long and sort of convoluted story in some ways. So I, I think I had more of an intellectual conversion at the beginning of college. I'd grown up Catholic, but without knowing a whole lot about the faith. Um, and then beginning at the start of college, I saw that Catholicism was intellectually coherent. Uh, a, a now priest friend of mine explained Catholicism to me in a way that was really winsome. And he did it very charitably. He, he really lived out the Christian call to evangelization, even in, even in reaching me as a, a fellow Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a lot of ways, it still stayed sort of as an intellectual system for me. It was at the end of my senior year of college that I, I started to read a lot more about it and started to uh, talk about it. And actually, I was so at the time, of course, I, I wasn't in seminary. Um, and there was a girl that I was trying to date, and she was a very devout Protestant. Mm-hmm. And so I would explain the differences between Catholicism and Protestantism and why I thought the Catholic side was right. And she sort of said, you know, all of this makes sense. But why don't you live more like it? Uh, 
That's dangerous. Yeah, it was it stung for sure. Uh, and it was a wake up call. Uh, so she ended up converting to Catholicism. And later she said that uh, I made her Catholic and she made me Christian. So, <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. So I think those kind of encounters, those personal encounters, coupled with doing a lot more reading about the faith. Um, Richard John Newhouse's book, uh, Catholic Matters, was really influential for me. And just seeing people who were passionate about Catholicism and who were really like honest about the struggles in the church and honest about like, they didn't paint kind of a whitewashed Pollyannish picture, but they still loved the church, loved Jesus Christ and loved what the gospel had to offer for us. Um, I found that very compelling. Uh, and then actually the, the last thing that sort of really sent this into overdrive was a really well said mass. Um, it was after I moved out to DC, I was down in uh, Woodbridge, Virginia, and a little parish called Our Lady of Angels. And um, the priest there, I think it was Father Keith O'Hare, uh, said this Mass that was just incredibly reverent. The parish it has a substantial uh, Salvadorian minority. Okay. Um, and so it's kind of a mixed parish. And there's a lot of piety um, among the people and a lot of... So you, you have ranks of altar boys who are just incredibly devout. You've got a priest who... Um, I heard another priest say it this way. Father O'Hare, when he kneels, he means it. And you don't wonder if he means it. And so he just exudes. Um, it's not a show. It just is a reflection of what's obviously a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And at the end, um, the, one of these Salvadorian families, the, the kids went up to the foot of the altar. And the little boy who was maybe like five, I uh, taught his little sister, who was probably three, how to uh, fold her hands and kneel and pray in front of the, uh, in front of the altar, just on his own. He wanted to show her this. And after that, I was so moved that I actually wrote my aunt, who's a Benedictine nun, and just like shared this, this whole experience with the Mass with her. So it was those sorts of things more than it was, uh, I guess, a lot of intellectual arguments that, that really woke my heart up a lot more. Well, the intellectual arguments can do so much to shake us from uh, maybe unbelief. But they, they don't necessarily do very much for us to to become inflamed with, with passion. It takes yeah. that encounter with Christ that makes all of those intellectual things, which are very important, it makes all of those things suddenly click and make sense. Yeah. You know, it can do a lot of good things. It can get rid of obstacles to faith. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you think Christianity can't be true or Catholicism can't be true because of X, Y, and Z— Having someone explain to you why X, Y, and Z uh, doesn't hold up is really helpful for getting obstacles out of the way that, that might impede that relationship. Right. But ultimately, um, faith and reason, they work together, but faith has to be in the driver's seat of saying yes to Jesus Christ. Yeah. So in, in some sense, it's like the farmer going out and plowing the field to prepare it for the seed. We're going to continue this conversation about evangelization and, and the being preceded by that relationship, by that encounter with the living God. Today we're talking with Joe Heschmeyer. He's a seminarian for the Archdiocese of Kansas City, Kansas. He blogs over at shamelesspopery.com. You're going to want to take a look at it. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls, and we'll be right back.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on our daily lives. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and today we're continuing our conversation on evangelization. And evangelization can be a very scary word. We, we conjure up these images of going and knocking door to door and saying, can I talk to you about Jesus? Uh, and that's not at all what we are talking about here today. Uh, we're talking today with Joe Heschmeyer. He is a seminarian for the Archdiocese of Kansas City, Kansas, currently studying in uh, Rome at the North American College there. Actually, you're not currently studying. You just finished up your last test, and you're about to head back to the States uh, for the summer, and you're going to be there at a parish. Joe, I'm so glad that we could catch you while you're still in Rome so that I could say I have my Rome correspondent on the show. <laughs> Well, my pleasure. It's a good way to uh, kick off the summer. <laughs> so we're talking about uh, evangelization and the fact that evangelization is preceded by uh, a, an encounter with the living God. So let's go back to that very first, uh, that very first day of evangelization, Pentecost, right? So here we have the, these disciples, 120 disciples, gathered together in an upper room. Uh, to celebrate the the fact that Christ had risen from the dead, uh, and here they are celebrating the, the the feast of Pentecost, which is an existing feast. They're celebrating together this new implication of it. When all of a sudden, they have an encounter, and here are these people who just uh, a couple of weeks prior were locked in a room alone and afraid, now with the encounter of uh, meeting with the living Christ they're empowered to go do something that they would never do. So let's talk about how that encounter affected Peter. Uh, and, and I think that you had a couple of things along those lines that you wanted to bring up of what this evangelization means for us. Yeah. You know, if you look at the behavior of the apostles, um, even during Holy Week, they've been with Jesus Christ for three years. And yet there's still this kind of spirit of uh, timidity, even cowardice. They, they run away. Peter denies Christ. Uh, there's not exactly a lot of uh, spectacular um, zeal that you, you see exhibited. And I think one of the reasons for that uh, probably is immediately preceding that in the Garden of Gethsemane. While Jesus is there praying, uh, the others are they're falling asleep. And so they're not kind of being fortified in prayer. And so that doesn't kind of carry over. And so if you you know, uh, the classic statement is that you can't give what you don't receive. Yeah. So on Pentecost, we see them receive a whole lot. The Holy Spirit descends upon them with tongues of fire, and they go and share that. They uh, they go out and they proclaim the word. And you know this isn't on this isn't a one time thing. Um, after this in Acts, the, we see that the early Christians they pray specifically for boldness. They pray to be bold in proclaiming the word, and they're given that. Um, the Holy Spirit fills them with this kind of boldness. So they don't rely on their own strength. They turn to God for strength. And I think that's an easy answer because one of the one of the cop-outs that we use so often about not wanting to evangelize is that it's frightening. We don't feel prepared. We don't feel like we have every answer. It's awkward sometimes, but oh well. Um, mm. We aren't on the hook to have every answer. So we can, we can pray that we'll be given the answers we need in this situation. And we can pray for the boldness. And then we just stay open, uh, docile, receptive to God. And, and we share that love. Well, I think a large part of this as well is we, we tend to think of our natures. You know, I, I know myself, and I know that I'm, I'm a talker, and I'm, I'm a 
conversationalist and I like to have these conversations. My wife, on the other hand, does not like to pick up a phone to talk to people she knows, right? She, she is not a talker. And so if we're just to look at who we know ourselves to be, we could look at this whole concept of evangelism and say, oh man, that's just so not me and I could never do that. But at the same time, the whole purpose of evangelization following an encounter with Christ is that it is not us in our natures. In fact, uh, we see Paul telling us to put off our old selves and to clothe ourselves with a new nature, the nature that Christ gives us through that encounter. And in that new nature, empowered by the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, who we are in ourselves is no longer what's important. It's who we have been given the grace to be through the sacraments, through the encounter with Christ, uh, and through obedience to the Spirit to go where he leads. Yeah, so the uh, the classic scholastic maxim is that grace builds on nature. And so all of the natural gifts and talents that you have, God can make use of those, but he's not, and therefore you're not, limited um, to your natural skills. And so... If you are really gregarious, if you're great with talking to people, that's wonderful. And I'm sure that with the grace of God, those skills can be put to good use. But someone who relates in a different way can still be a, an amazing asset. Um, a concrete example of this, I went with a group of guys to uh, evangelize down on a, an engineering college campus. And it was remarkable to see how much better the introverts did at kind of breaking the ice because um, those of us, I would include myself in this number, who are more extroverted, often came on a little too strong. And the introverted guys um, would often bond over something like engineering related mm-hmm. and then just naturally let it lead into a conversation about Jesus. Yeah. So we're talking with Joe Heschmeyer, seminarian for the Archdiocese of Kansas City, Kansas, about evangelization. Uh, we talked about that that Pentecostal experience where the apostles experienced this primary event of encountering the risen Christ. Uh, and you you brought up your own experience with how you were drawn into evangelization by this primary encounter. But as we talked about Pentecost, you also mentioned the need for an ongoing, that after uh, after Pentecost, and in the book of Acts, they continued to pray and continued to ask for for boldness and for wisdom. Talk to me a little bit about how that plays out in your own life. What kind of spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines uh, do you find for you help you cultivate that continuous encounter with Christ uh, that drives you to evangelism? You know, often it's as simple as knowing when to put down the keyboard and go to the chapel. Mm-hmm. Um, so a fair amount of the evangelization and apologetics work that I do is online. And most of the time, people are, are great. They're receptive. They ask good questions. And there's even people who don't agree will often have sort of thoughtful feedback. Every now and then, you'll get someone who um, is a little more cantankerous. And you have to wonder if it's uh, even worthwhile to kind of invest the time in responding to them. And it's easy uh, to let ego get involved. It's easy to make it about yourself and about your argument and about all of these things. Um, and knowing when to just stop and go and pray uh, for peace, to pray for the other person, um, to pray for authentic charity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, I think, more valuable than whatever off-the-cuff thing you might want to say and then uh, regret after, as soon as you push send. Right. Um, so there, a lot of it's just kind of taming that impulse um, and letting God tame that impulse, really. 
what I think this is part of the encounter with Christ is not just coming face to face with Christ for the sake of getting our emotions filled up and getting fired up, but rather as we encounter Christ, we're converted, we're changed. Something in us is is uh, honed or some rough edge is knocked off. Uh, and, and it's not just about, oh, well, I have orthodoxy, right? I, I've got these set of principles lined up, but rather it's in encountering Christ, I become more like Christ, uh, this whole process of sanctification. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things Christ does is he goes to people and he ministers to them and he cares about their needs. Um, so, you know, he, he meets people in their hunger. He meets them in their sickness. He meets them in their brokenness. And he doesn't just say, Hey, all that stuff is bodily. I don't care about that. I only care about the spirit. Right. No. And so we don't get to do the same thing. Like, we don't, we don't get to just say, I don't care about whatever you're going through. I just want to make sure you convert and become RC. Like, <laughs> we actually have to, like, in some way, walk with the other person and, and take on their brokenness in whatever form that takes, praying for them, uh, being empathetic. Um, and that makes that witness of Christianity uh, so much more credible, but also so much more Christ-like, because that's how he brings Christianity to people. One of the things that Christ does that I think it, it, we we talked a little bit about during the break is he's always looking for the person. Uh, he he sees the man by the side of the road and goes to him. He he sees the the man born blind and he and he goes up to him. That he's listening for those those opportunities where someone calls his name or where someone is reaching out and, and touching him in, in the crowd. Right. And so it's not just about, well, I'm going to go about my day and do my day and then uh, and then I'll go look for people to evangelize later. He's always open. And as we encounter Christ, he, he makes us more open to breaking our schedule a little bit and, and looking and listening for the person who we weren't expecting, who's right in front of us. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a helpful kind of maxim uh, to keep in the back of your mind is just allow yourself to be inconvenienced. Mm-hmm. And allow yourself to be inconvenienced for Christ. Whatever that looks like in the course of your day, it's going to depend on your day. It's going to depend on who you are and kind of what uh, what the day throws at you. But if you keep that in mind, as simple as letting your kids inconvenience you or your coworkers or the random people who cut you off in traffic. And if you live that life, I can I can virtually promise you that these opportunities of evangelization, you won't have to go searching for them. Mm-hmm. They'll come to you. As you listen to the voice of God, as you, uh, as you watch uh, and, and live a virtuous life, people will come up and, and inconvenience you and ask the questions. And as they ask the questions, as we talked about last week, 1 Peter 3.15 says, be ready with an answer. So go out and yeah. live that questionable life. Uh, live a life that elicits questions. Yeah. The fact that it says um, to give an answer for the hope that is in you. You know, to live the kind of life that people say, I want that. What is that? We've been talking today with Joe Heschmeyer, seminarian for the Archdiocese of Kansas City, Kansas, currently studying in Rome. Find out more about him and read the stuff that he's written over at shamelesspopery.com. In the meantime, join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. And talk to me a little bit about your encounter with the living God this week. We'll be right back right after this.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on our daily lives. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and today we're talking about evangelization. Uh, last week, we read a little bit out of Evangelii Nutiandi, which was by Pope Paul VI. And just before the section we read last week is this little gem. Uh, he says, evangelization, evangelizing, is in fact the grace and vocation proper to the church, her deepest identity. She exists in order to evangelize. And we who are members of that church, who are part of the body of Christ, we exist to evangelize, but we also must be evangelized. So we hear the Word of God. We go to Mass, we hear the Word of God, we encounter Christ. Yes, that's the thing we've been talking about today, that evangelization starts on a foundation of encounter. We encounter Christ. We encounter the love of God the Father, manifest through his Son, Jesus Christ, poured into our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit, and thereby have the strength to go out and evangelize. Earlier in the show, we talked with Joe Heschmeyer. He's a seminarian for the Archdiocese of Kansas City, Kansas, currently studying at the North American College in Rome. Uh, and he blogs over at shamelesspopery.com. That's P-O-P-E-R-Y, shamelesspopery.com. He's a regular guest on here. If you want to catch the other shows that he has done, well, it's just quite easy. You go over to outsidethewalls.com, click on episode archives, and there, just scroll down on that, that left-hand sidebar till you see Joe Heschmeyer. Click on that name and you will see every episode on which our Rome correspondent has appeared. Uh, share that with your friends. If you missed any part of it and you want to catch the rest of today's show, it's right there. Uh, and then don't forget to subscribe on your normal aggregation, podcast aggregation device, whether that's your smartphone or iPod or some other. Uh, just subscribe there and never miss an episode. I know you've been sitting in your car for the last 20 minutes because you've been where you're going. And you're like, I just can't miss any part of the show. And I want you to know I appreciate that. I really do. Uh, but the good news is you don't have to miss your meeting. You don't have to sit in the car wasting gas. You can download it in the podcast. Find out more information over at OutsideTheWalls.com. We're going to turn our attention now over to our reading from Scripture and from the church. We're not going to go too far back in church history today, just uh, a few years. We're going to read out of Evangelii Gaudium, which is an apostolic exhortation from Pope Francis. Uh, last week, we read out of Evangelii Nuntiandi, which was from Pope Paul VI. And we're just going to kind of work over the next few weeks through these beautiful writings from the church on evangelism. Let's start first in our reading from Scripture today. Uh, this comes from the first reading this Saturday, and it's from 2 Corinthians, where we hear this. Brothers and sisters, the love of Christ impels us. Once we have come to the conviction that one died for all, therefore all have died. He indeed died for all, so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Consequently, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even if we once knew Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him so no longer. So whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. And all this is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation, namely, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. 
So we are ambassadors for Christ. As if God were appealing through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That reading comes from the book of 2 Corinthians, and we just couldn't have picked a better reading for today's topic. Uh, we, you know, I always try to do the reading from the day or within that week, and this, that was picked long before we picked this topic. But the love of Christ impels us. It starts with the love of Christ. It starts with our experience, our connection to Christ. And so from there, we are impelled to go out and to share, to be the ambassadors. It says that God is appealing through us. And so we go out and we embody that to the world. We allow God to use us to appeal to the world, to draw near to him, to be reconciled to him through what Christ has done. So we start with that relationship. We start with that encounter with the love of God, and that drives us to evangelization. Today's reading from the church comes from the apostolic exhortation, Evangelii Gaudium, from Pope Francis. We're going to start at section 264 and go just as far as we can. And I want you to listen very carefully to what Pope Francis is offering us today in light of understanding our responsibility for evangelization. And he says this, The primary reason for evangelizing is the love of Jesus, which we have received, the experience of salvation, which urges us to ever greater love of him. What kind of love would not feel the need to speak of the beloved, to point him out, to make him known? If we do not feel an intense desire to share this love, we need to pray insistently that he will once more touch our hearts. We need to implore his grace daily, asking him to open our cold hearts and shake up our lukewarm and superficial existence, standing before him with open hearts, letting him look at us. We see the gaze of love which Nathaniel glimpsed on the day when Jesus said to him, I saw you under the fig tree in John 1.48. How good it is to stand before a crucifix or on our knees before the blessed sacrament and simply to be in his presence. How much good it does us when he once more touches our lives and impels us to share his new life. What then happens is that we speak of what we have seen and heard. The best incentive for sharing the gospel comes from contemplating it with love, lingering, over its pages, and reading it with the heart. If we approach it in this way, its beauty will amaze and constantly excite us. But if this is to come about, we need to recover a contemplative spirit, which can help us to realize ever anew that we have been entrusted with a treasure which makes us more human and helps us to lead a new life. There is nothing more precious which we can give to others. Jesus' whole life, his way of dealing with the poor, his actions, his integrity, his simple daily acts of generosity, and finally, his complete self-giving is precious and reveals the mystery of his divine life. Whenever we encounter this anew, we become convinced that it is exactly what others need, even though they may not recognize it. What therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you, 
Paul said in Acts 17.23. Sometimes we lose our enthusiasm for mission because we forget that the gospel responds to our deepest needs since we were created for what the gospel offers us, friendship with Jesus and love of our brothers and sisters. If we succeed in expressing adequately and with beauty the essential content of the gospel, surely this message will speak to the deepest yearnings of people's hearts. The missionary is convinced that through the working of the Spirit, there already exists in individuals and peoples an expectation, even if an unconscious one, of knowing the truth about God, about man, and about how we are to be set free from sin and death. The missionary's enthusiasm in proclaiming Christ comes from the conviction that he is responding to that expectation. Enthusiasm for evangelization is based on this conviction. We have a treasure of life and love which cannot deceive, and a message which cannot mislead or disappoint. It penetrates to the depths of our hearts, sustaining and ennobling us. It is a truth which is never out of date, because it reaches that part of us which nothing else can. Our infinite sadness can only be cured by an infinite love. But this conviction has to be sustained by our own constantly renewed experience of savoring Christ's friendship and his message. It is impossible to persevere in a fervent evangelization unless we are convinced from personal experience that it is not the same thing to have known Jesus as not to have known him, not the same thing to walk with him as to walk blindly, not the same thing to hear his word as not to know it, and not the same thing to contemplate him, to worship him, to find our peace in him as not to. It is not the same thing to try and build the world with his gospel as to try to do so by our own lights. We know well that with Jesus, life becomes richer, and that with him, it's easier to find meaning in everything. This is why we evangelize. A true missionary who never ceases to be a disciple knows that Jesus walks with him, speaks to him, breathes with him, works with him. He senses Jesus alive with him in the midst of the missionary enterprise. Unless we see him present at the heart of our missionary commitment, our enthusiasm soon wanes, and we are no longer sure of what it is we are handing on. We lack vigor and passion. A person who is not convinced, enthusiastic, certain, and in love will convince nobody. Today's reading from the church comes from Evangelii Gaudium, an apostolic exhortation from Pope Francis, which, of course, we're going to link to over on social media, facebook.com slash stepoutsidethewalls. On Twitter, the handle is at Outside the Walls. We'll put that link up so you can read the whole thing. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much. I hope that today and this week you experience the love of Christ in a new and profound way. Sometime this week, go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, look around, share it with your friends on social media. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.